Hello and welcome. This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Kestrel Country Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Church, and I'm joined here once again by my lovely wife and co-host, Catherine. Hello, hello. We are coming to you from our dining room. Yes, we are. Here on Lion Road, out in Latah County, close to Moscow. Yep. The heart of Kestrel Country. So uh, we wanted to talk to you this evening a little bit more about rural living. A lot of folks have really enjoyed our episode, really episode one, right? Episode one. No, it was episode two. It was episode two. Episode two, where we talked about kind of the pros and cons of country living, uh, rural living. And um, we're coming to you from our 1920 Sears Craftsman farmhouse out here um, on our little farm, mostly leased out farm acreage um, here uh, in rural Latah County. And one of the things we touched on in that episode was the well, living on a well. So living in the country pretty much dictates that you will be on a well. And the question, if you are just building from scratch, is you just don't know what kind of well you're going to get. Now we came here and there was actually two wells. There were two wells here. So we knew, or we thought we knew what we were getting into. Yeah, that was one of the things I think when we bought the place that really did attract us to it was the fact that it has two wells. So one of them uh, is actually, it's cool, is under the windmill. We have an old uh, air motor windmill made in Chicago. Still functions. Yeah, classic old windmill. And underneath it is the original well for the property. Hand dug 18 foot well. And we have never had that well run dry on us. No, so we, that was, that was something that was great because you have backup, you have water for irrigation and that kind of thing. And then in, um, 95, I believe it was 1995, actually 94, I'm looking at the well report right now, 1994, they drilled a new well, um, on the property for, um, basically household use for the household water. And um, that well was, looking at it now, 240 feet deep. Right. So it's a deep well, you know, and... um, For our area, that's not particularly deep. Oh. For newer wells. Compared to 18 feet, it feels deep. But um, we don't use the 18 foot, the one, the hand dug one, we don't use that for drinking water. So we simply use it for irrigation. Um, But... July 4th, 2018, is that right? Yep. We ran our household water dry. And the next morning it came back and it was all frothy. Now we've run out before, but this was different. So we ran it dry. And the next morning it came back frothy and brown. So we figured, okay, it probably got contamination in there. And we went and had it tested. Well, I mean, the first thing we should back up to when we bought the property. Oh, I suppose so. So we bought the property and it had these two wells on it. And being a good real estate agent, I did not take my own advice. So I always recommend that people get their wells tested for uh, production as well as quality. 
we did get the water quality tested. Right, but the production. And that came back fine, but we didn't test the production for a couple reasons. One, honestly, it was an emotional decision. I was just in love with the property, and it was kind of like, yeah, I don't really, you know, it should be fine. You know, the people before us hadn't really had issues with it, um, and the well report, I could look at that. So um, that's one thing. If you are curious about wells in the area or wells on a particular property you're looking for, you can go to IDWR, which is Idaho Department of Water Resources, and their website um, actually has a full-on GIS map where you can look like a Google Earth-style image and zoom in and see little blue dots on all the where all the wells are, click on them, and get the actual scanned image of the original report that the well driller um, submitted to the department back when they drilled it. So it's pretty cool. You can see um, production rate at the time it was drilled, you can see what they encountered as they drilled. So um, soil for the first couple feet on ours, and then clay, and then granite, decomposed granite, medium granite, decomposed again, different colors. So it actually shows you kind of what's in the soil underneath your property, which is pretty cool. It is. So, so it had a three-gallon-a-minute well. So um, it's not a high-producing well. Yeah, which is pretty low, but honestly, talking to, uh, depends on who you talk to, most people say that that's plenty of water for a family to live on. Um, and we really didn't have any problems initially. No, and so we, we just kind of, you know, took it uh, took it there and, and knew that we had a little bit of backup. And um, We yeah. had, um, we accidentally did the sprinkler one time and the kids were running through it. So that was like the one time I think that we had run out before that July 4th incident. But back to the July 4th incident. So we, the next morning, it's all frothy. We go get it tested. Yes, there's dirt in the water. So we decide, okay, we got to bleach shock the well. So we Which we find out because it, the, so the test you do is for, they'll refer to it as coliform bacteria. So that's one of those things you'll hear about um, is you'll test for coliform bacteria, which sounds much scarier, really scary, but it's dirt in your water. Yeah, basically, it's it's um, coliform bacteria is what's found in dirt. It's very it's different than E. coli. They also test for E. coli and which that is, kind of thing as well, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously dangerous. But it does tell you that there's a problem. It tells you that you're not just getting basically pure water in. You're getting some sort of contaminants. So we first decided we bleach shocked the well, then we retested it. It is still showing up with that chloroform bacteria. Coliform. So, coliform. I'll let you say it. So anyway, so we move along and we're trying to figure out what to do. So step-by-step, we're figuring out our well problem. And in the meantime, we are more frequently running out of water much more easily. So we start trying to stagger the dishwasher with the laundry, showers, all that kind of thing, trying to be much more careful on water usage. Well, and we ran out, so that was in the middle of the summer. Right. But then that winter, uh, it last got winter, well, winter no, no, before no. last, we ran out of water again. Yeah. I was doing dish, or I had this the sink water running, and it got narrower and narrower, and just, so I turned it off. But in the middle of winter, you cannot go dig up pipes or, well, it's frozen. So thankfully, that one was just an incident where where we were storing stuff, the door was cracked and it had frozen. Oh, we had somebody come out. Yeah. Well, there was that, but we had somebody come out and test the well in the middle of winter. Well, then we had Strom, yeah, come out and test the well in the middle of winter. At that point, they thought it was fine, that it just dropped, that our water level had dropped, but that we should be fine. But no, it wasn't. We were still dealing with it. And the exciting thing was, is that you don't really realize how much you go and turn on the sink 
and value water until you just can't use it. So we were drinking water. We were bringing in water with gal- big, huge five-gallon thing. We had it sitting on the counter. And, you know, actually our kid, one of our kids wrote a story in school where what do they do for bedtime routine kind of thing. And it was go down and get water for, <laughs> for brushing your teeth <laughs> and go back and brush your teeth. Um, so the big blue five-gallon thing lived on our counter for a long time. But then, but then what happened is we got hit with the stomach flu and the well went dry. So all of a sudden, thankfully the kids were already asleep in bed by the time Mike was going, Mike was already down and I was going down. (laughs) And so we were living without the water. Uh, But you know, you really, you learn a lot of appreciation for water after going through some of those incidents. Anyways, after that happened, we started working harder on fixing it. Yeah. So we, um, we called uh, TPM water systems, Ed Schaefer. Uh, we really want to get him on the yeah. podcast one of these days. And he's, he's like a wizard with well systems. So TPM, uh, apparently is his dad started that company. It was uh, he called the pump man with TPM. Uh, but anyway, Ed came up and, um, uh, to assess our situation. And this is where I, you know, uh, I think again, the value of testing the well when you first bought it, buy a house or are going to really hit home with me a little bit more because it wouldn't have changed our decision to buy the place if we had known kind of what it was, but it would have given us a better benchmark. Right. And that was something that Ed, you know, when he came up, he really tested everything, the water level, the production, um, how, you know, what the static level was, which is kind of where the water fills back up to in the actual cavern in the hole itself. Um, he tested all kinds of things, freeboard, how far the well pump is off the ground. And that was one of the more concerning things. He basically found that that pump that was put in in 94 was partially covered in sand. It was sitting actually on the bottom, partially submerged in sand in the well. So basically the well had been probably as extreme to say caving in on itself, but it had definitely had kind of silt and everything. Mm -hmm kind of sloughing off the sides of the actual well um, down into into the well itself. And so sitting on, it was sitting in sand where normally it should be sitting up above a little way. So that really gave us that benchmark to know what we're dealing with. And basically turned out that our production's gone way, way down. So his, his kind of theory was that um, the sand and stuff had actually kind of filled in the vein. So you, you can hit a vein of water that actually has pressure, and that's a lot of times what you're pulling into. So we're still getting water, but had to put in a whole new pump, um, whole new system we wires. Put in cisterns. Well, um, and so, yeah, that was ultimately the uh, solution was after the well pump had been put in, it still didn't fix the issue. No. We still were running out of water, um, basically just not, it wasn't the production is just not there. So it's changed, which was an interesting thing to learn is that those things do change over time. Right. And, and they can have seasonal aspects too. Yeah. They can even change throughout the year, the production out of the well. And so uh, basically we were faced with, well, what do we do? Do we drill a whole new well and hope we get better water in our area? The water's not, there's not a ton of production. So actually like going back to that IDWR map, you can look around and there aren't, it's not like there are really high producing wells a lot in our area. So we thought, well, it's possible that we drill a whole new well and, um, you know, which probably run 10 to $12,000 and still not run into the same problem. Enough water. So we put cisterns in. So yeah, that we would basically, the other option is to 
have cisterns, so water storage. So you're pumping even a very low production well. I mean, we've had, um, I've had friends and clients who have very low, like half gallon a minute wells, but you're pumping it kind of at a slower rate intermittently into storage tanks so that there's lots of water there to use when you need to. And then when you're sleeping, things like that, it refills um, over time. So that was the other option. We thought, well, let's do that so that we know we have plenty of water. And then no matter whether we have a well or not, we, you know, a new well or not, we know that we've got plenty of water in that storage. Um, so yeah, those cistern systems, um, can vary quite a bit. Basically you have big poly tanks, sometimes in ground tanks, but, um, with, uh, plenty of water storage and, um, and, and then a booster pump that brings it into the house itself. And so, um, as we, uh, so we basically had that a whole system put in and, um, and now we have lots of storage water so that there's extra in, in case. So having the storage tanks was just life-changing after a year and a half of water problems where you have to really divvy out when you're running the dishwasher and running the washing machine or taking a shower and not drinking the water. So we had a big, huge five-gallon um, water jug on our counter for probably the whole time. Oh yeah. Easily a year, right? <laughs> yeah. It was this blue and white. <laughs> to where, well, then after I remember one story when we got the water back, um, our nephew was over, we had some, and, <laughs> and he's, um, he's particular about germs and things. So Anyway, he was, somebody went to drink water out of the tap and he's like, don't drink that water. <laughs> don't like, drink the water. No, no, no. It's fine now. It's okay. all, it's all good. It's okay. They had learned. But you definitely, it's, it's something that's so easy to take for granted. It that is. That we've talked about. Well, and it, yeah, when you go and you expect, and you, I'm sure experience when the water goes out and you constantly, the habit of just turning on the sink is still there, even though you know nothing's going to come out. But, but when it actually does <laughs> and you don't have to worry about it for a minute, it really is, you're, you're so grateful for just that ease of having running water in your house. Yeah. Well, I think it, it speaks to some too, how, um, how blessed we are in this, in modern age and here in this country, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have clean, clear water, yeah. right? And it's so easy for us as Americans just to take it for granted, um, but it, it's been a huge blessing. And, and one of the things that I like too, being a little bit more of a, uh, a, uh, prepared type person is, uh, to have, um, is having that water storage. Like, you know, if there's a power outage, there's a generator, we've got a bunch of water sitting there. You can access it. You Still can have, have water. water or, you know, and one of the things that actually was pointed out to us about that type of system too is that even if your well was to go out, like if our well did go out and we needed to drill a new well, in the meantime, we still, one, have, you know, days, weeks probably worth of storage in there, um, but also you could fill it. You, even if you had to haul water in from town in a tank and fill it up, at least you have kind of running water to the house. Um, so we're happy the system's in. <laughs> Um, thousands of dollars later, but it's, it sure is nice to have, have clean, clear water and lots of it. Lots of it, lots of dishes, lots of laundry. And, and we got the stomach flu when the water went out one time, well, one time, two times, one time. Anyways, the one time that was pretty epic was, you know, everything. Thankfully the kids were already in bed, but the water went out. So you have to really kind of think quick on your feet for plan B. 
and yeah. preparedness. Not fun. The flu is the flu is always just enjoyable and relaxing anyway. <laughs> but when you add wa- when you had <laughs> lack of water, it really really makes it a doozy. Makes for some good stories, good memories yeah. after so. the fact. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it is something that just need to be prepared for. And um, well, and I think understanding if you are looking at rural property and you're looking at a well, one, the well test is really important, and two, understanding the how well systems work, I think, is just a big benefit. You know, what is water pressure? How does that work? You know, with all of the different systems. So just having that rundown, so you know what to expect from the water and when it's a problem and when it's just normal, is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, what was one of the biggest things that you learned about? Well, I think it was part of that that water pressure because, and Ed from TPM Water Systems was able to adjust it, but that it won't necessarily be that same level of pressure that you have in town. And actually that was pretty eye-opening for me. Yeah, well, that the interesting thing is that can be pretty different in town too. Uh, Depends on what well you're on in town there. So that is one thing we didn't really talk about, but everybody's on well water well, it's in true. Moscow, right? <laughs> it's true. So there's a number of city wells mm-hmm. um, that service Moscow. And that's partly why certain areas of town, you'll have um, different tasting, even different smelling water, um, more or less minerals in your water and more or less pressure, um, depending on where you are in elevation in relation to any of like the booster stations or the, the uh, water towers in town. So that can vary in town, but you just usually don't think about it, don't no. notice it as much as as when you're um, relying on it for mm-hmm. your water. So, but yeah, so that water pressure thing was a big one, um, and just understanding that they can be seasonable, seasonal too. You know that it can ebb and flow a little bit based on where you're at um, in the year was helpful to understand, um, and just understanding okay a little bit about how it all works is helpful even though I'm not really going to be doing anything with it. But occasionally I had to go in and do the override or whatever that switch was and try to get things filling and starting again. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it's it's an extra cost. You know, you don't have a water bill like you do in town, um, but you do have ongoing maintenance costs and, and a lot of upfront costs, especially if you're building uh, from scratch. So anyway, more of our rural adventures. and Rural uh, life. Yeah, we love it, but... Uh, Always a lot of work and and all of a lot of good stories. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.